All right, what's going on, everybody? Um, welcome to another episode of the Take Podcast. Uh, I am your host, Jackson Burleson. And in today's episode, we're going to be talking about this wild NFL playoff picture that's starting to kind of unfold a little bit as we start to wind up week 12 here, uh, Monday Night Football. It's currently going on as I'm recording this pod. But before we get into this episode, uh, make sure to like this episode and subscribe to the channel. And share this with your friends. I want everyone to hear what I have to say about the NFL season, what's going on. Um, and also make sure to follow me on Instagram, Facebook, TikTok, and Twitter. I will be popping up those up on the screen somewhere. So make sure to go follow those. And then also um, the audio-only version will be available on Spotify once again. Um, so the link in the description will be there as well. And my social medias will be in the description as well. Um, so let's go ahead and jump right into this. But first I want to start out with my take of the day. My take of the day for today's episode is Jets quarterback, Zach Wilson will not play another snap as a starter this season for the New York Jets. I said it here and here's why, because Zach Wilson, I get it. He's five and two as a starter, but what has he truly done in those starts? In three of those wins, he has thrown zero touchdown passes. And literally in two of those losses, he threw either two touchdowns, three interceptions. He threw more interceptions than he did touchdowns, which is not good. And especially against the Patriots, he threw for an abysmal nine for 29. And then he goes into a press conference and is like, um, yeah. It's not my fault that the defense did their job, but we didn't do their job. It's not my fault. He didn't feel like he let the defense down. Are you actually kidding me, dude? You definitely let the defense down. You're the number two overall pick. In my opinion, he's going to be a bust. I just I just don't see him developing and progressing as a player as he needs to. He doesn't go through progressions in the right manner from what I can see on the field. And the backup quarterback, Mike White, he looked very comfortable in the pocket. He was going through three progressions. He was making the right reads and especially getting receivers involved like Eliza Moore, who's really struggled to get the ball this year because Zach Wilson just won't throw it his direction at all. Like it's just honestly very annoying because Elijah Moore is a very talented player and he had a really good season last year. He's getting the ball, period, period. And then Garrett Wilson played really well yesterday as well. He had two touchdown passes, so... You can't really complain. I mean, the Jets looked a lot better with Mike White on the field. I mean, he threw for 315 yards passing. That's phenomenal. Zach Wilson has not done that in his entire career. In both games, Mike White has started, even including last year. Last year, Mike White came in, and he threw for like 400 yards passing. Keep continuing to give Mike White opportunities, which they're going to give him against the Vikings, which is going to be a big test for him to see if he can actually continue to be a starting quarterback for this team. But I do believe in Mike White, and I do believe they should ride him out the entire season. See what he can do, because Zach Wilson is clearly not working out. He can't stay healthy, and when he is on the field, he's not really making this Jets offense better. And it seems like the Jets offense is kind of rallying around Mike White more, and it doesn't seem like they like Zach Wilson. That's just kind of my opinion on this entire situation. I mean, it's just it's kind of ridiculous that it's even gotten to this point with Zach Wilson. Because he's been in the league. This is his third season now. You would 
think you would start to see some developing here, but you're just not you're just not seeing it. And it's it's about time for the Jets to move on from him. In my opinion, I think they need to trade him. Mike White, you could develop him a little bit, but if you want to keep Zach Wilson as a backup, you might as well. You just got to know that Zach Wilson's going to want to be traded. So, but speaking of the Jets and the AFC, um, I want to start off with kind of the AFC. We already kind of talked about the Jets um, and what they're being able to do. Um, they've been running the football very well, but their defense has been the main reason why they've been so successful this year. I mean, they have one of the best secondaries in the NFL, and then they know how to get to the quarterback. And for this Jets offense, you really don't need to do much. You need to just score 17 points to be able to win games because this defense can win you games. That is a given. But their run game, I mean, it's it's pretty decent. I mean, Michael Carter has been okay filling in for Brees Hall, who was a stud at the beginning of the season. I mean, he was literally running for just seemed like he was running for 100 yards every game this guy was playing but he had 80 carries 463 yards this season and four touchdowns and now he's on IR knee injury I can't wait to see what he is like when he comes back next year because he was a very good running back as a rookie the Jets are a young team and for them to be good this quickly it just really surprised a lot of people and I'm gonna go ahead and move on to kind of a the better teams in the in the AFC because the Jets are a good team. They could make a run, but there are a lot of better teams. And the team literally a spot ahead of them is the Cincinnati Bengals, a team who made the Super Bowl last year. And they impressed me once again this past weekend. They don't have Jamar Chase. He's been out a few games with that hip injury, so he has not been playing. So T. Higgins has had to fill in as number one receiver. And since then, he's been playing great this year. I mean, he has 826 receiving yards, four touchdowns on 57 catches. That's pretty good for T. Higgins as filling in for number one, which is not a difficult task because Jamar Chase is a very dynamic player. And when Jamar Chase is on the field, I mean, he's had 47 catches, 605 receiving yards, and six touchdowns. What he brings to the table, his speed, his elite route running, athleticism, his leadership. I mean, he's just a phenomenal player. And him and Joe Burrow have chemistry like no other receiver in the NFL, to be quite honest with you. But Joe Burrow, he is an MVP candidate, in my opinion. 3,160 yards receiving, 23 touchdowns, 8 interceptions. He's literally doing it all for this football team. He's rolling out in the pocket. He's making the right reads. He's making the correct throws. And he sho he's showcasing that he is a top-five quarterback in this league each and every week. And I'm really impressed. I didn't think Joe Burrow would be able to top last season because that's very hard coming off an ACL injury. Your second season really playing in the NFL and you come out and do that last year, and now he's playing even better than he did last season. So Cincinnati Bengals are going to be a dangerous team. They could make it to the AFC Championship game once again, but they had a playoff rematch in the divisional round they had last year against the Tennessee Titans. Tennessee Titans sit at the three seed. They're atop the AFC South, which is not very difficult right now because that division is god-awful. But, you know, Ryan Tannehill, he looked pretty good yesterday. The only problem with this Tennessee offense is their receiving core. I mean, Robert Woods is their leading receiver, and he only has 351 yards receiving. That's not going to really cut it. Losing A.J. Brown does hurt them significantly, but they're going to have to figure out ways to win. And Derrick Henry is clearly the key ingredient to winning without good receivers, as he has been phenomenal this season. He's second in the league in rushing, and he's third in the league in rushing touchdowns with 10. So... I mean, he's a Frank train. He's 6'5", 260 pounds. 
I mean, this guy is honestly unbelievable. The run he had yesterday was like a 60-yard touchdown run. That's insane for a guy to continue to run at an elite level. It's just been amazing to watch Derrick Henry over the years just continue to dominate the football. And he's truly one of the great running backs in this league. And there's an argument. We could talk about this all day long that he is the best running back in the NFL. There are two other guys that are kind of sitting up there with him right now. But Derrick Henry, he is carrying this football team. But this Titans defense has been very good this year. Their secondary has been very good against the pass. Now, they have struggled against the run some. They haven't been that fantastic against the run. I mean, Samarjan Pirine was literally tearing them up, the Cincinnati Bengals running back. He's their backup. He's not even Joe Mixon. So they need to fix their run defense a little bit. That's kind of one thing the Titans need to clean up a little bit. But we're going to go ahead and kind of get a little bit below them there is the Baltimore Ravens. Now, I know they're sitting at number four right now, but I just do not think the Baltimore Ravens are a good football team. They lost Rashad Bateman. They don't have any other receivers for Lamar Jackson to throw the football to. And Lamar Jackson, he's been pretty inconsistent, if you ask me. He hasn't been that great each week. He has his good weeks. He has his bad weeks. But I don't see any highlights, big runs like I'm used to seeing from Lamar Jackson. I mean, he's a he's a guy who can take off and run. And I just haven't seen that that much this year. And I know he wants his money. He wants to get paid. Me personally, I feel like he should get paid just because of what he does bring to the table. And, you know, he's a young quarterback. He still has a lot more years left in him. But, I mean, you guys got to get him some help first. Like, I get it. If you guys don't get him his money, like, it's going to be a little bit annoying because he doesn't have any help at the receiver position. The only guy he has to throw the football to is Mark Andrews. Now, Mark Andrews, I'm not saying he's a bad tight end. No, no shade towards him whatsoever. I'm not saying that. I mean, he has 601 receiving yards this year and five touchdowns. So not a bad year at all. And he's been injured a little bit. So we're not going to give any flack to Mark Andrews. He's definitely a top three tight end in the NFL. But the Ravens are just not a good football team. They haven't been great defensively. They just lost to the Jacksonville Jaguars, who are getting better, but they're still not a good football team. Seven and four is a very deceitful record. And they are pretenders. I remember... Listening to first take this morning, Dan Orlowski said it first. They are pretenders, or they said they're contenders. Excuse me. Like, I, I don't know what he's thinking saying they're contenders. They're definitely not contenders in the AFC. They have no chance. They are going to lose in the first round 100%. But the Buffalo Bills, they're sitting at number five right below the Ravens. And I mean, the Buffalo Bills, they're still worrying me a little bit. I know they beat the Detroit Lions, but they barely beat them. They, they beat them by three points. They let the Lions hang in there. Now, the Lions have been a tough out all season long with every single team in the NFL, but the Bills let them stay in that game. I mean, they were not they were not taking care of the football. They were being careless. They were th going three and out. And then their defense wasn't getting the stops they needed to. I mean, Josh Allen, I feel like he Josh Allen kind of kind of plays around at the beginning of the game and then he can just kind of turn it on whenever he wants to. Which is fine. I mean, he can. he's a good enough quarterback to be able to do that. But in the regular season, that's going to cut it. But in the playoffs, absolutely not. When you have to go in a shootout with Patrick Mahomes, you cannot have any off plays whatsoever. And that's kind of what's going to hurt the Bills coming, coming into the playoffs. Because Josh Allen, you know, his decision-making has been questionable at times. He doesn't make the best decisions throwing the football. I mean, he has 11 interceptions this year. And throwing the interceptions in crunch time moments. So... 
Buffalo Bills, they're still a good team. They're still one of the favorites, but they're not my favorite to come out of the AFC. That's for sure. I just don't have a lot of faith in Josh Allen at this moment because he went from being the favorite to win MVP to not even being an MVP candidate at all in my books. Now, I know he leads the Bills in rushing and passing. He does a lot of great things for the Bills, but I mean, the Bills need an actual solid running back to really get them through the playoffs. They need this run game. And Josh Allen, he just makes you really nervous when he runs the football. I mean, let's be honest here. Like, he's a super fragile. All quarterbacks are very fragile. Now, I love it. Those design runs, I love those play calls. But I just, every time he gets hit, I just feel like he's going to get hurt. I don't know why. I know Josh Allen's a big guy, but he, I feel like he's going to get hurt every time he gets hit. And I, I would prefer him not to run the football as much only when he has to, when he has no receivers open downfield. That's how I'd kind of like him to kind of do it. I don't like those QB draws when he gets the ball and he has to run immediately. But, I mean, the Bills receiving core, they've been fantastic this year. I mean, Stephon Diggs, he's been putting on a show, 1,110 yards receiving, nine touchdowns on 84 catches. And then Gabriel Davis is proving to be that second great receiver on the Buffalo Bills this year with 650 receiving yards. So, I mean, I'm worried about the Bills, but I'm not worried about the Bills. I'm just worried about their inconsistency. That's the only thing I'm kind of concerned about with the Bills. But um, let's go ahead and move up to the team that's above them in the a in the AFC East, the Miami Dolphins. Now, the Miami Dolphins, let's just say this. I said this on TikTok. Tua Tagovailoa is, or Tungabailoa, I know you guys are giving me flack in the comments for not being able to pronounce his name. I, I'm sorry. But Tua is MVP. He's MVP. Let's just say that right now. And here's why he's MVP. The Dolphins have lost every single game Tua has not played this year. Every single game. If Tua was healthy for every single game this year, I firmly believe the Dolphins would be undefeated right now. Firmly believe that. Now, there is some debate that Tyreek Hill could be MVP, which he does have a case for that. I mean, he does lead the league in receiving yards, but... And he, he is really making a huge difference and making he's creating a lot more opportunities for Jalen Waddle as well, because without Tyreek Hill on the field, I don't think Jalen Waddle is having as good of a season as he is having right now. But Tua Tango-Vailoa is literally dotting up every single play. I mean, he has the highest QBR in the NFL at 87.2. He's thrown for 19 touchdowns and only three interceptions, you guys, three interceptions. That is pretty remarkable if you think about it. And then he's just super accurate with the football and he can throw the deep ball. Like everyone keeps saying this guy, it just makes me so angry. Everyone's like, oh, he can't throw the ball deep. Yes, he can. If you say that, you have not watched the Dolphins this year. He can throw the football deep constantly. Why do you think Tyreek Hill is so happy? Because they can get him the ball deep. That is where Tyreek Hill is most dangerous is throwing the ball deep. And Tua has been fabulous with that. He's right on on his spots. He's making the right reads. And then him in the pocket is beautiful to watch. Even when there's pressure coming to him, he still makes the throw. And, and, and one thing that was very phenomenal for me watching the Texans game yesterday was he, he had a play-action play, right? And he turns around and he kind of – he I don't think he knows Tyreek's even there with his eyes. He doesn't even see Tyreek Hill. But since this offense is so time-based, every NFL offense is very time-based, but since the timing is just so spot-on with these receivers and the quarterback, 
Tua was able to not even know Tyreek Hill was open and still throw it to him. An absolute perfect dot. That's that's unprecedented. That's unprecedented. I mean, you can obviously see Tua is getting very comfortable with this offense. And first of all, let's just say this. Mike, Mike Daniels, he's coach of the year. In my opinion, he's coach of the year. What he has done for this Dolphins team and this offense, it's a perfect system. They can make it to the Super Bowl with this with this coach. The way he runs this offense, the way Tua is playing right now, Tua is playing at an unbelievable level. I never, th- I didn't think Tua was going to be this good this year. I knew he was going to be do some damage, but I didn't think the Dolphins are going to be this good. And then their defense is just taking it to another level, and they're starting to find their run game a little bit with Raheem Moister and then Jeff Wilson. They got in a trade who has been phenomenal this year since coming in. I mean, he's already rushed for like. 243 yards since being traded as from a from 49ers so i mean i like the way the dolphins are heading into the playoffs i love it and i think they're going to win the afc south or the afc east excuse me i think they're going to win this division very easily i know they play the bills week 15 which is going to be a very big test for them on the road but i think they win that game but let's go ahead and talk about patrick mahomes and the chiefs now they're sitting at the top seed in the afc I think right now they are the best team in the AFC. Just just going to put that out there. Patrick Mahomes and Travis Kelsey, they just have a unique connection that I've never really seen from a quarterback and tight end ever. I mean, they literally are – what is it? I think the stat was that Travis Kelsey and Mahomes have the most touchdowns combined in Chiefs history, which is absolutely insane. I mean – Look, watching the games, I mean, Tyreek Hill, I mean, not, excuse me, not Tyreek Hill, uh, Travis Kelsey, he gets a touchdown like every single game, at least one or two. And yesterday, you know, the way the way Travis Kelsey gets the ball in space, he's so good after the catch. He gets the ball. He's so crafty with his spin moves. He's super hard to tackle. He's got a lot of moves in his toolkit that he can kind of go to. And he's the he's one of the more versatile tight ends I've ever seen watching the game of football. And then Patrick Mahomes, I mean, he's there's arguments that he could be MVP as well. I think he can win MVP, but I'm just putting two over over him for certain reasons. Like I said, the record and all that. But Patrick Mahomes, he definitely can win MVP. I mean, he's been putting up an insane year. 3,585 yards passing, 29 touchdowns, and eight interceptions. I mean, come on, man. The stats speak for themselves. I mean, the guy can do a he can be literally walking backwards and still throw a touchdown pass, sidearming it. I mean, are you kidding me? Cross body as well. I mean, this Patrick Mahomes is the best quarterback in the NFL. Not even close. Like talent-wise, this guy, there's no one even near this guy. No one's even on Patrick Mahomes' level. Let's just get that out of the way. But this guy, this running back, Isaiah Pachenko, what a fast dude this guy is. He is quick. When he comes out of the backfield, you can just tell this dude hits leg day. He hits leg day hard. And it's funny because you see him in number 10 and you're used to seeing Tyree kill there, but he's still fast. Like, what's up with number 10's being quick on the Chiefs? I was like, is that Tyree kill? Like, I had to look a couple times. I was like, is that Tyree kill right there? Is that is that Tyree kill? But it's Isaiah Pinchenko, and he's been, and he's a receiver as well. He can catch the ball in the backfield, but he is fast. Every time I see him play, he's always got explosive plays down the field, and he always has like 10, 15-yard runs, which I love to see because he's a very – exciting running back to watch and it's it's opening up this Chiefs offense a lot 
And then their backup, Jarek McKinnon, he's a good running back to put on third down as well. He's a good pass protector. He does a lot of great things for this offense. So, I mean, the Chiefs are looking really good. Their defense is looking pretty solid. Chris Jones, he's always getting to the quarterback. He has 10 sacks this year, which is fifth in the NFL. So he's a beast, man. Like him penetrating this Rams offensive line. Now, the Rams are a sad football team. Let's just get that out of the way. But Chris Jones, he was just dominating that offensive line, just literally pancaking people. I mean, it was it was bad. It was bad. And the Rams, I really feel bad for the Rams. They're really dealing with a lot of injuries this year. It's just, it's just not their year at all. But the Chiefs, they're looking very impressive. They look like they can come out of the AFC for sure. And I, I think I could see a Dolphins-Chiefs AFC matchup for the AFC championship. I very well could see that. But let's go ahead and touch on the NFC. First of all, we got four NFC East teams in the playoff picture. We got the Philadelphia Eagles. We got the Washington Commanders. We got the New York Giants. And we got, first of all, my Dallas Cowboys. Shout out Dallas Cowboy Nation, baby. But um, first of all, I want to start with the Eagles, the number one seed in the NFC, the best record in the NFL right now. What can I say? I mean, watching this team play against the Packers last night, they are legit. They have a real chance to win a Super Bowl. I wasn't really sold on them a couple weeks ago because I just I just didn't know. I mean, they haven't really played anybody. They struggled against the Colts. But watching them, I mean, Jalen Hurts is a phenomenal quarterback. He's so smart. And he can play. He can play. He knows situational football. He knows when to take the ball and run it, and he knows when to sit in the pocket and make a great read. Now, last night he had... 150 rushing yards, and then he had like 200 passing yards. Insane. Insane numbers. He can do it all. And last year watching Jalen Hurts, this is not the same quarterback last year. This is a way different guy. You can clearly tell Jalen Hurts is putting in, put in the work in the offseason to really make this Eagles team as good as they are this year. And he just, I mean, why is it that every Eagles quarterback it, be able, it can be able to run? I mean, it just seems to be a very common theme for Eagles quarterbacks. They can always run. They're always very mobile. And I love watching Jalen Hurts play. Even though he's a Philadelphia Eagle, he's not a Dallas Cowboy, and we have to play him twice a year, I still love watching this guy play. Him, Seeing him develop from his first year to his third year now, I mean, he just looks like a completely different player. And props to these Alabama quarterbacks, seriously. I mean, Mac Jones, Tua, Jalen Hurts. I mean, it's honestly phenomenal seeing all these guys really thrive in the NFL because, you know, Alabama hadn't really traditionally had great quarterbacks come out of that school. And to see three guys like that at the top of their game, one of the best quarterbacks in the NFL, it's honestly just very impressive to see. But last night, the Eagles, they ran for 300 yards rushing. Miles Sanders had himself a game. He had two touchdowns and over 120 yards rushing. I mean, he's been very good this year. He's had 900 yards on the ground this year and eight touchdowns. I mean, Miles Sanders, he wasn't that good last year, but he's definitely having a bounce back year. And then A.J. Brown, I mean, A.J. Brown is just, he's honestly made this offense so much different than it would have been without him because that was probably the best trade they could have possibly made this offseason was getting A.J. Brown. And Jalen Hurts now is very comfortable. They have great chemistry, clearly. They always go deep with each other. I mean, they always or throwing the ball deep. I mean, Jalen Hurts is always looking down that downfield. And A.J. Brown is just such a big, powerful receiver that he's so hard to cover and he's so hard to bring down. I mean, I love watching A.J. Brown play, but I am upset because I did lose in fantasy last night. So just because of Jalen Hurts, 
and I needed AJ Brown to get some more touchdowns, but that's whatever. But Devontae Smith, he's also a very good second option at receiver. And when they get Dallas Goddard back from injured reserve, he's supposed to be back, I think, in like two, three weeks, something like that. So he's been a very good tight end when he's been playing as well. But the most impressive thing about this Eagles team is their defense, their secondary, led by Darius Slay. And they also got Zach McPherson, who's a very good player as well. And then they got Jason Peters on the front line. I mean, they're just a very tough defense, and there's not going to be many teams that are going to be able to throw against this team. You do not want to throw against the Eagles. You've got to run. That's their weak point. That's the only way to really beat this team, in my opinion. But we're going to go to a team that the Eagles did beat earlier in the regular season. That's the Minnesota Vikings. The Minnesota Vikings, you know, they lost to the Cowboys by 37. That was rough. I don't really know what happened there with them. But against the Patriots, they played well. They scored 33 points. You know, Justin Jefferson, he had himself a night over 100 yards receiving. Now, he has been – he's a top three receiver in the NFL right now. You can honestly make a case that he's the best receiver in the league right now. And he's been crazy. I mean, he's second in the league in receiving yards, trailing by one. From Tyree Kill. He has 1,332 receiving yards, and Tyree Kill has one more yard than him. So just put that in perspective of how good Justin Jefferson has been this year and his third year in the league. And then they got Dalvin Cook at running back, who has 841 yards rushing and six touchdowns. I mean, he's been pretty incredible. He's a very good physical back with elite speed, and he just opens up this play action game for Kirk Cousins, which really makes Kirk Cousins pop. Excuse me tongue twister there comfortable in the pocket and um you know he's been playing you know all right i mean he has his games i mean he has 2760 yards passing this year 17 touchdowns nine interceptions i mean he has his good and bad games that's that's the thing that's why i don't think the vikings are going to make a deep run this year just because of kirk cousins play but a team i really think you can make a deep run this year is the san francisco 49ers if you tell me the san francisco and 49ers were going to get better after making the NFC Championship game last year, I would have been like, you're absolutely insane, dude. Like, what are you even talking about? But they got Christian McCaffrey, a very good receiving back. And also, you know, he can run the ball well. He has elite speed. He can get out and run. And, you know, it's just crazy. I feel like the 49ers have three running backs in Debo Samuel, Liza Mitchell, and Christian McCaffrey. Now, Debo Samuel, surprisingly, he has not been the leading receiver this year. Brandon Ayuk has with 652 yards receiving. Which is a shocker to me because Debo Samuel, you would think he'd be leading this team in receiving, but he's not. And then you got George Kittle with 450 yards receiving this year. I mean, this 49ers team is built to win a Super Bowl, and Jimmy Garoppolo, he knows how to get there. And watching this guy play, I mean, he's just been, he's like Tom Brady 2.0 in my opinion. I mean, he, he literally reads the field exactly how Tom did. And, you know, you can tell all those years being on the Patriots, and learning from Tom Brady and being his backup, you can tell he spent hours and hours and hours in the film room because he just makes the right reads. He goes through four progressions, it seems like, every single play. He gets rid of the ball quickly, and it doesn't matter if he has pressure or not. He's standing in the pocket, he's taking those hits, and he's throwing the football. And that's what I love about this 49ers team because they're tough, gritty, and they don't want to lose. They're a very competitive bunch, and they have a great defense led by Nick Bosa, who knows how to get to the quarterback. He's a had a phenomenal second year, but the 49ers are going to be a dangerous team and they're at the three seed right now. So, you know, we'll see who ends up playing them at the moment. They're going to be playing the New York giants who, by the way, I, I, I don't know if they make the playoffs.
playoffs. I could really see the Seahawks sneaking in there. I mean, the Giants just have a pretty tough schedule the rest of the season. and They're sitting at six, seven, and four, which is not bad. And and by the way, Daniel Jones, a very big quarterback, very mobile. I, I honestly kind of underrated him a little bit. I think he's a very good player after watching him against the Cowboys. He's very good outside the pocket. He makes the right throws. He's been phenomenal to watch. And like, what's going on with Zaquan Barkley? I mean, I understand he's rushed for 992 yards this year and seven touchdowns, but he looks so much smaller than he did his, since his rookie year. I mean, you look at this guy when he came into the league, right as rookie year, he was massive. Like, I honestly kind of miss that Zaquan Barkley, that physical running back that was impossible to take down with elite speed, elite route running at such a big physique. I just like that kind of Zaquan Barkley. But I guess he got tired of running in the middle. So who knows about that? I, I don't know. I mean, I think the Giants still have a chance to make the playoffs. I mean, they're in it right now. But I could see the Giants definitely losing some games because they do play the Commanders two games in a row who have been playing very good football. And Taylor Heineke, he's been 5-1 and one as a starter since Carson Wentz has came out. I'm telling you right now, Ron Rivera, do not put Carson Wentz in the game when he gets healthy. Do not. Because this guy is done. He is trash. His good days are over. And you know what sucks? He has a Super Bowl ring because he got hurt. Think about that. He has a Super Bowl ring because he got hurt. Imagine that. Imagine that. Imagine. And we, like it, It's insane to think about the Washington Commanders at the beginning of the year. Most critics said they're going to be a terrible football team which I was one of them. I didn't think they were going to be good at all. They're going to be bottom feeders in the NFC. They're sitting at seven and five now after Heineke took out of a starter. And I knew Heineke was good. He was good last year. They just didn't have a great offensive line. Now this year, they're protecting him. They're getting the run game going. They got Antonio Gibson and Brian Robinson. And Brian Robinson's a fantastic story. The guy got shot at the beginning of the year. And now he's running for... 476 yards rushing this year? Are you are you absurd? That is a very motivational story for a lot of people who don't think they can really overcome anything. I mean, he overcame everything to be on the football field this year. And he's been a fantastic rookie running back. And he has got a bright future on the Commanders. And then the Commanders receiving core, they got Curtis Samuel, Tarek McLaurin. Those two guys have been very dynamic in the receiving core, making Taylor Heineke's life so much easier. And this offense is actually dangerous. They are actually a legitimate threat in the NFC to pull an upset off. I know they're sitting at seven right now, but do not sleep on this Washington team because RIP, I honestly like RIP the Bucks. Like they're probably the worst team in the NFC right now. Five and six. They can't, they lost to the Cleveland Browns, you guys. They're sitting at number four because they're in the worst division in football. They literally are five and six winning their division. Like, what? like what? But you know, one bright spot yesterday against the Browns was Chris Godwin. Chris Godwin had himself a game yesterday. That was the first big game Chris Godwin has had all year. I've been waiting for him to wake up all season long. But the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, they got a lot of work to clean up. They got a lot of work to do if they want to get back to that Super Bowl level. And Tom Brady, you know, this offensive line is not really protecting him well at all. I mean, he was getting pressure on him constantly. And I get it. It's very hard to contain Miles Garrett and Javadion Clowney at the same time. 
mean, I'm, <laughs> those two guys are just not really easy to contain for any offensive lineman in the NFL. But Brady, he can't be on his butt. He's 45 years old. He is fragile as a stick right now. Like you can't, you can't let him take that many hits. But he's still standing in there, you know, making those throws. But his post game press conferences, he doesn't look upset at all. Like what? How do you not look upset after the post game press conference? I mean, you guys just lost to the Browns without Deshaun Watson, who, by the way, he's making his debut against the Texans. Stay tuned for that. Browns could sneak in, possibly. They could possibly sneak in to the playoffs. I could see him going nine and seven, winning every game. They could. They have to win out to make the playoffs. I could see that happening, very much so. But um, the Buccaneers—they're by far the worst team in this in this conference. Not even close. I mean, they, their running game has been terrible this year, um, and that's an understatement. I mean, Leonard Fournette has only 462 yards rushing. And he hasn't really been that good. This offensive line has been such a struggle for them all year long. And their defense is abysmal. Their secondary can't cover any receiver known to man. Like, it's very frustrating. It's not It's not like previous Buck defenses where they actually could cover some receivers. Like, watching the Chiefs and the Bucks in that Super Bowl, they were covering everybody completely fine. But now they can't cover anyone, which is a very annoying and the Bucs haven't been able to put up an insane amount of points all season long. I mean, 17, they can't really seem to get over that 20 mark a lot. So, of course, you're not going to win many games doing that. But I'm surprised they're even winning their division. I thought the Falcons were going to be doing a lot better, in my opinion. But Bucks are at number four right now. And then the last team I'm going to talk about, my Dallas Cowboys. Man, we look good right now. But one thing I want to touch on. One thing, I, I, I'm not going to talk about anything else with the Cowboys. CeeDee Lamb, a dog. Tony Pollard, a dog. Ezekiel Elliott, he's the identity for this football team. Our defense has been fantastic. Micah Parsons, 12 sacks. Incredible. Our secondary has been great. Trayvon Diggs is barely even getting the ball thrown to his side, which I love to see. But Dak Prescott, I am very hard on Dak Prescott for one reason and one reason only. I want him to do well. I want to see this man succeed. And when he's very inconsistent and in throwing two interceptions against not a great Giants team, I just I just sit there and go, like, what are you doing, Dak? Like, I just, I'm just like, man, like this guy, Dak Prescott, is going to make it or break it for us, honestly. If we don't make it far in these playoffs and we don't make a Super Bowl appearance, Dak Prescott will be the sole reason why, because the pressure gets to him. He doesn't play as well as he should in the postseason. Those are going to be the common denominators to the Dallas Cowboys not reaching expectations this year. He's clearly underpaid. He's clearly not built for the moment. It just, I know, Dak Prescott, you're probably not listening to this, but if you are, that is why I'm so hard on you because I want you to succeed. Cowboys have been my favorite team for so long. And you're just, I just see us coming up short because of you solely. Now, if you play great, don't turn the ball over. We are making the Super Bowl. We have the defense to get you there, but you got to play some good football. You got to play some clean, consistent football, and you cannot be throwing the ball behind the receivers. You guys, I have stressed this so many times this year. Dak Prescott literally makes a receiver 
pause mid-route so they can reach behind them and catch the ball he throws to them. I watched CeeDee Lamb run a route, and he paused mid-route. He caught the pass, but he's shaking his head after he catches it because he knows Dak Prescott is not throwing it in stride. Has nobody ever taught this man, you throw the football while the receiver is running in stride? Has any man ever told him that? Ever. I mean, I really want you to do well, Dak. But if you're not throwing the ball accurately and you're making poor reads, by the way, he is terrible against zone coverage. When a per, when a defense plays zone against us, he panics. He throw he doesn't throw in the correct gaps at all. Like that's the only thing I've really noticed. He's great against man defense, but against zone, he is abysmal. And Kellen Moore and Mike McCarthy need to sit down with him go into the film room and look at how he doesn't play well against zone defense. And he's got to start making these adjustments because he is in his seventh season in the NFL right now. And the clock is ticking on this man because if he doesn't win a Super Bowl this year, Jerry is going to be pissed. And so am I. So, so that's going to go ahead and do it for today's episode of the take podcast. Uh, I hope you guys enjoyed this episode. Um, make sure to hit the subscribe button. Once again, like this video, share it with your friends and follow me on my social medias. I'm going to pop them up on the screen somewhere. And then uh, the audio-only version will be available on Spotify. So go in the description for that. And my social medias will be in the description as well. But um, this is going to go ahead and do it. This is Jackson Burleson signing off. Thank you guys for listening.